You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of the NFL. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. And we are back. Welcome back into the Pigskin Cafe. I am your host, Hampton Sipper, and I'll be guiding you this evening as we talk a little NFL Week 2 action. And who better to do that with than my good friends, the correspondent at large, Graham Haney, the Reddit extraordinaire himself, Chase Haney, and the one and only Woad Suave. Guys, we ready to recap what an exciting week of NFL action we had? Let's do it. I, I, feel, I, I feel like I'm ready. You feel like you're ready? But you're not 100%. I, I don't want to know if you feel like you're ready. I want to know. Hey, I, I just Are think you ready? I, I think you could do a little better job on the intro, really getting the people into it. Because I, I was I was ready, and then, I mean, I didn't hear like a, it's, you know, I, I need a little bit of that. I'm not going with Bruce Buffer on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Hampton, hey, okay. <laughs> Hampton, they just give me a, Let's get ready to talk some uh, NFL football. <laughs> and if we're gonna go, if we're gonna go MMA, I'll just make one last joke. We can land this on is that Hampton. As long as your intro is better than Conor McGregor's opening uh, pitch, <laughs> opening pitch, then I think we're good. Let's get well, into I th- it. I, I think I passed that bar tonight. Hopefully, if it was as bad. <laughs> if it was as bad as that pitch, then uh, just take us off the airwaves. But before we get into Diving into the NFL action, we're going to give a quick shout out to a sponsor of ours, Play Action Pools, who's been so kind to host a NFL and college pick'em. And guys, you know, I talked about it on the college football pod, but I did not do too well last week. I'm toward the bottom of the barrel, but you know who's not? Our very own Woj Suave, who I believe is tied for first place along with my guy Dalton Bradshaw, aka Long Tall Hickory. So shout out to both of them for doing a lot better at this than I am. Um, but it's been really fun uh, following along, competing against, you know, my fellow co-hosts and the listeners. So that's been exciting. And it's just going to keep getting better and better, especially with college football now kind of getting into conference play. It's going to get a lot more difficult and a lot more intriguing. So shout out to them. Go support them on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, and all the great things they're doing. Suave, I want to hear the breaking news of the day, what's been going on in the NFL. How about you start us off the show with that? Man, I'd be glad to. All right, so first of all, we have Andy Dalton. He's doubtful for this week's game, so more than likely Justin Fields is going to be starting. Come on. Uh, The Browns put Jarvis Landry on IR. Uh, Keon Neal for the Cowboys is on IR. Uh, and he was put on there due to COVID. Uh, Josie Joel and Bradley Chubb both landed on IR for the Broncos today. You know, we just get Bradley Chubb back last week against the Jaguars, and he re-aggravated his um, ankle. Ankle. So he's going to mm-hmm. be out another six to eight weeks. I mean, you feel like you're getting back for one week, and he's gone for half of the season again. Uh, you got Tyrod Taylor. He's on the IR. Carson Wentz is questionable for this week's game, <laughs> but he did not. He won't practice today, 
So I'd say keep an eye out on that for all you fantasy managers. Uh, Brian Borger for the Chargers. He's on IR. And Tua Tagovailoa is out this week due to fractured ribs. Ah. I know that's a that's a sore thorn in your side in Hampton. Yeah, it doesn't feel too good, buddy. Just like his ribs don't feel too good right now. But uh, shout out to Jesse Davis for letting AJ Epinesa go just unimpeded to Tua's uh, to Tua's ribs. So <laughs> shout out to him. Uh, for doing his job well. But uh, is that all you got for us, Swap, or you got uh, one more uh, piece of information? Uh, I'm going to give you all some fantasy booms of this week. If y'all had these on your team, you probably ended up winning. The top quarterback was Kyler Murray. The top uh, running backs were Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones. Bill Bobama. Wide receivers were Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett. And uh, Terry McLaurin was a great flex play. Uh, also, the Bills' defense, Travis Kelsey and Graham Gano were top in tight ends, defense, and kickers. Okay, good stuff. And uh, I think – did you mention Justin Fields getting yes, the sir. nod this week? Yeah, that's um, – Yes. I thought you did, and that's exciting um, opportunity for him with Andy Dalton being a little banged up. I'm interested to see how he does. I believe they are playing – I want to say they're playing the Cleveland Browns off the top of my head. Yes, sir. They are? Oh, o- man. OBJ's going to be back this week. So. Okay. Man, Hampton, do you remember like in, – in Swap, I want you to finish if you didn't quite finish, but Hampton, do you remember a, a season where we've had this much like just initial right off the bat injuries? I mean, I felt like we saw this in the NBA and – now it's happened in, in, the, in the NFL, but does it just feel that way, or do we feel like it actually is just this unprecedented season, the way that it started off? You know, I feel like we say this every year, kind of, a, a little bit. You know, like when we get to week one or two and we're just like, man, there are a lot of people hurt. There are a lot of people banged up. And I think it might be a little more than usual, but I think it's just a thing we kind of say every year because some mm-hmm. of our p- favorite players get hurt. Like last year, Saquon got hurt. Yeah. And um, you know, a couple couple other key players. So it I, I think it's just a cyclical thing. Yeah. And I mean I, Graham, do you mind if I, let me add something yeah, in real quick and then I'll throw it to you. I think that there's a couple of things we can expect in this life, and that's death, taxes, and for the whole 49ers team to get are injured. So that's what we're seeing again this year. Which and, is what I said pre preseason. Dude, I my mean, worry about them was, yeah. And you, you you made a great point. I don't remember if it was even on the pod, just talking about how Alabama had to really look at how they were, you know, like like exercising, how they were um, stretching and building up those muscles. Because dude, there's there's something off down there. I mean, they just have yeah. too many injuries, and I'd say specifically at the running back position. So they got something they really got to look at that I think it's bigger than just people unfortunately getting hurt in the exact same way mm-hmm. almost every single week, dude. Well, and someone said, and I think this is a good point, maybe it's not that the 49ers are doing something wrong, like as far as strength and conditioning. Maybe they're just signing injury-plagued players. Like Jason Verrett, he's been injured a lot, yeah. and he got injured again. Raheem Mostert's always been injured, and then they extended him. Uh, so I think it's just kind of – Part of it, Graham. You got anything to add, man? Or are we ready to kind of hop right into week two recap? Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, in the NFL, it's such a you know a physical sport, so there's always going to be injuries that happen. Um, Chase, I, you know, I think that part of the reason why it seems so um, 
extra this year is that uh, teams know that it, you can throw somebody on the IR, they, they miss a few weeks, and, and then they can come back. And yeah. so, uh, you know, with it being you know week two going into week three, um, uh, teams are willing to throw guys on the IR. Say, you know what, we're giving you time to get healthy because the season's really long, and with an added game in uh, this year, you know, we really need you for that you know, game 14 through 17 and, uh, we need you to help these. So, uh, I think they're willing to throw, they're, they're willing to throw more guys on, on IR, especially at the beginning of the year. And, uh, so I think that might be part of, uh, part of why maybe with these, you know, later on in the year with some of these injuries, I don't think teams probably put them on IR. They're just very, very careful with them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously don't push them back, but, um, don't throw them on IR and restrict their, you know, you know, practice and stuff like that. So I think that's probably a little bit of factor in play as well for uh, injury sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, guys, let's let's hop right in to NFL Week Two, and I we're going to get into the main topic of discussion is going to be who we think is the best zero and two team, and who we're really buying as a two and zero team thus far into the season. But I want to start with a. My big takeaway from week two, and this hit me Sunday night after a great game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. The Kansas City Chiefs travel into Baltimore. Instead of taking that dub like I think we all believed they would, they came out of there with a loss. It was an inspired performance by the Ravens, by John Harbaugh, believing in his team, you know, Lamar Jackson, uh, trusting him to get that first down at the end, asking him if he wants to do it, and he just says, all right, let's go. Yeah, you want to do it? I got confidence in you. Let's go execute the plan, and let's not even give them um, and Patty Mahomes a chance to come back and win the game. I thought it was a masterful job of coaching, of motivation, and as Chris Collinsworth would say, ow, 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 ow. I just want to clap, Al. I mean, hey, this guy, Al, he great game. I mean, he he was beside himself like he is every week. Shout out to Al and Chris, who I think do an excellent job. Long-time uh, listeners. Long-time listeners of the show, everybody, including Tank Bigsby's mama. Um, yeah. Right. So, hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> but, no, for real, I, I uh, thought it was a great game back and forth and – just really high quality football, but it hit me after the this hit me after the game, guys. And I I, I want to unveil my take on Lamar Jackson. So I teased both of y'all about it, and I want y'all to see. I want to get your feedback on it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> amazing grapes. How sweet the sound. You want me to start breaking out in the song? Um. <laughs> um. So. I think in any sport, um, NFL, and especially NBA, I think as fans there with players, there's like 90% of their talent or their game that we really like and we really admire. But there's always that 10% that we think can get better and can improve. Okay? And some of those players, that 10% is more glaring than others. Like Patty Mahomes – 10% 10% that he lacks is not apparent as some other players who it's more apparent with their shortcoming and their falling. And I think I've come to this realization about Lamar Jackson. That's who he is. 
his 10% of his inability to throw the ball is just more glaring than some other quarterbacks at the position. But I think as fans, we need to appreciate the 90% that he does give with his electricity running the ball. I mean, he didn't have a good game passing against the Chiefs. Uh, He went – I mean, he threw two interceptions, uh, only threw for 240 yards, but he hurt them on the ground with that – what I thought was a brilliant uh, schematic approach by Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. I mean, their ability to pull guards and, you know, um, in opposite ways and kind of confuse the defensive line with the way they block. It's a truly unique um, running game. And I just think they do a masterful job of putting him in positions to highlight his ability. And it hit me that Lamar Jackson is the NFL version of Russell Westbrook. And hear me on this. So he has immense talent, immense athleticism that I don't think we've ever seen at the position before. I know Michael Vick was our guy growing up, but I would take Lamar's running ability over Michael Vick. I think he's a more electric runner and a more productive runner than Michael Vick. And so just like Russell Westbrook, I think, has athleticism, Um, and a motor that we haven't seen before. And as regular season players, I think they're very, very productive and they can win you a bunch of ball games. But when you get in the playoffs, that 10% on both players shows up in a big way with Lamar, his inability to pass the ball more consistently and effectively to to beat an opponent with Russell, it's just bad decision-making in the final minute or two of a game. And that's due to, him playing at a too much of a frenetic pace, or him um, not being able to shoot the ball uh, particularly well from three or from the free throw line, and so I come to that realization that that's who I think Lamar is. And instead of having to bash him all the time, like I know who he is, so let me just appreciate him for his, I mean, his amazement of, you know, running the ball, like what that sense of all that he um, presents when he runs the ball, when he takes off in the open field, I think we should really appreciate that. And when I put it in context of, I think he is the NFL version of Russell Westbrook, I think that contextualizes everything a little bit more for him. So guys, what do you, what do you think of that? Do you think I'm way off base here or do you think um, there's some validity to what I'm saying? Hampton, I, I think we should just start off with a song. <laughs> how sweet the sound. And if you continue in that song, it was blind, but now Hammy Sippy. Amen. Can't see. Come on, I praise know. God, somebody. I know. Hampton. <laughs> Come on, Cranjus McBasketball. Cranjus McBasketball. <laughs> Hampton, you have had a revelation. Seen the light about Lamar Jackson and his potential and talent in the NFL. I, I think some of us, uh, you, myself and uh, Chase included, received this revelation earlier uh, in his career, and and we received it. <laughs> Hampton, I, I think that. You you received this revelation, but you sat on it. Mm. You didn't mm. work with it. Mm. Mm. You put it 
in the closet. Mm. <laughs> but Hampton, we're glad you finally realized the revelation that Lamar Jackson can be a productive NFL quarterback. I, I, I think never part- said he couldn't. Grant, hey, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll bring up the manuscript. I, I want to just chime in real quick. Sure. I, I think that I do jury hey, Chase, here. Th- this is just a uh, this is a very much of a bash Hampton session. Uh, yeah. So just make sure you keep keep going that way. And, and th- this is all I want to say is this this is for the record, Your Honor. <laughs> he's gonna be good, but if he's bad, I wouldn't be surprised. Do we remember? <laughs> do we remember? Do we remember this whole pod? Uh, Hampton sitting on this fence. Uh, I think being slandered very harshly. But Graham, I want you to finish your thought. Because, I, Hampton, I don't think that I hate your comp, but I'm really glad you didn't say Ben Simmons and that he should never play for the... the you no, know, that, that would be, be irresponsible. That would be irresponsible. Go ahead, Graham, you finish. Yeah. But, Hampton, like I said, I, I'm glad that uh, you finally opened your eyes to uh, the player that Lamar Jackson is. I think part of it was that with the age of Patty Mahomes, with Russell Wilson, with Tom Brady, it's arm first, and if you can make plays without you know, outside of your arm, so be it. But Lamar Jackson is the complete opposite. He makes plays and then uses his arm, and so I think that you know, yes, it you know had a, he had a one really good year, and last year was kind of up and down, but he can be productive if if he's just the way that he is. And I think that the Ravens scheme to that, and so it's. You know, not that Lamar Jackson is the best NFL quarterback, but the Ravens use him in a way that maximizes his talent. And so I, I think that is so important, and I'm glad that you finally realized that. But I also want to talk about the you know the game on Sunday night. Hampton, last night me and you were able to discuss some uh, college football, and there was a game we discussed in Happy Valley, where we didn't like a uh, fourth down call. No, we did not. Mm-mm. By one team in particular. Because we were both convinced that it was out of an, an unbelief in, in their team to execute the play. But what we saw Sunday night out of Lamar Jackson, out of John Harbaugh, out of the Baltimore Ravens, was that when it was fourth down and one, Fourth down and two, when it was fourth and short, what did they do? They said, we're going to leave it on the line, and if it beats us, it beats us, but we're going to put it in our hands. We're not going to allow the, we're not going to punt it away and allow the Chiefs to maybe have a shot at coming back. We're going to either put the nail in the coffin or we're going to just give it to them. And so that fourth down call was a great call, but I said it after. I love the call whether it was successful or not because yeah. of the fact that it was a we're going to leave it all, all out there. It's and a win-the-game call. It's a win-the-game call. And if we win, we win because of that call. But if we lose, we lose because of that call. And I, I think that it takes guts to make a call like that. And uh, you know, sometimes it, come, it comes back to bite you, and then all of the sports writers say, what were the Ravens thinking? You know, why you fire John Harbaugh, even though he's a really good coach. The Ravens are terrible. Trade Lamar Jackson. But it worked. And so they're getting a lot of praise, but it's the confidence in your team that 
to me is what made the difference in that game. It wasn't that the Ravens were more talented than the Chiefs. It wasn't that Lamar Jackson was better than Patty Mahomes or that, you know, what this versus that. It was that when the game was on the line and the Ravens had an opportunity to put the game away, they believed in themselves and they didn't punt. They went for it and it worked. So uh, I, I really did like that. I think it was, you know, obviously crucial to the win, but it's exciting to see a team and a coach that says, you know what, I'm gonna if my players want it, I'm gonna be behind them. And so uh, I like the call by John Harbaugh. It was a great win by the Ravens. You know, up and down game. You know, towards the beginning, we were kind of unsure whether the Ravens could keep up. But uh, and why was that, Graham? B- because of uh, interceptions, because Thank of uh, yeah, but because <laughs> the Chiefs were able to move the ball. But then, as time went on, um, I-, I really liked the way that uh, the Ravens schemed Lamar Jackson run plays in this mm-hmm. one, as compared to Week One. Hampton, me, you talked about that. We did. Yeah. That it-, it seemed that they were back to the back to the year where Lamar won the MVP. And so I think that is so important. You know, credit where credit is due, credit to Greg Roman and the the Ravens staff for, um, you know, getting the best out of their players and, and drawing up plays so that they could be successful and using the talents that Lamar Jackson has uh, to their advantage and believing in their team when it came down to it. Chase, Ravens and the Chiefs, you know, Andy Reid was known as, you know, Mr. September in football. He always has a great record in September, but what what do you think was the reason that the Ravens were able to, you know, take this one at home, especially when everybody but uh, you know, one NBC commentator voted for the Chiefs and thought the Chiefs would win. Yeah, I think that you you summed up the game really well and I, I really don't want to rehash that because I think that the storyline of the game, what makes the headlines is the fourth down call, are we going to give it back? Because I, I think that, Hampton, we've got a couple of things that we have said about this Chiefs team, not in a way that we dislike them, but, man, mm-hmm. they've got like a switch that they turn on and off, Yep, and they can't run the ball. Nope. This, I, I, I might even like let you cover that, and if, if, you don't, if you don't want to, I don't mind maybe touching a little bit on it, but this is what I want to – we could go down a really long uh, – like a really long kind of rabbit hole, especially why they can't run the ball. But this is where I want to – this is the point that I want to make. So, listener, friends, did you hear this? This is this is honestly kind of deep. I was sitting here thinking about it. I was like, why why is Lamar one of my – like, why do I put him so highly, even though I know that he can't throw the ball like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady? Or like, go down the list. He's not a good passer, nor does he have the help, but that's another podcast. But this is – this is what this is the point that I want to make, and and I really think that this is my Hampton. As you've kind of had your revelation, I want to also maybe maybe this is something that's come to my notice. So here it is: when you build a team, when you build the defense to beat the Aaron Rodgers and the Patrick Mahomes of this world, you'll be inequipped to stop the Lamar Jacksons of this world. What I mean by that is when oh, you that's keep, good. That's when good. you keep dropping, you know, when you, when you're playing Aaron Rodgers, you you want to make him run the ball. You're going to stick two safeties high if you if you can. You you really want to stick two safeties high and make him throw the ball. That's what you want to do. But if you do that against Lamar, 
that's what's so different about this team is it's like it's completely different of how you scheme on defense to stopping the the Ravens because I mean they're they're built like a Georgia Tech triple option. We want to see if we can get four yards every play this game, and if we can do that, we're going to beat you. And I think that that's what we might be seeing, fellas, is that the league again. Like I remember Pat McAfee talking about how they um, obviously I'm a, a big listener of him, but he was talking about what it that that teams build defenses to stop the like whenever he was uh, on the Colts and Peyton Manning was there, like like teams were building their teams in order mm-hmm. to take down the Colts. Fellas, I think right now we're seeing teams that are building defenses to stop the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, the Tom Brady's. All these guys are good passers. We'll be in the league in, be in the league for a long time. And I'm not going to sit here and say that 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 Lamar is going to be able to stay the same quarterback and stay in the league for a long time. But what I will say is that he will continue to have success when some of these defensive lines don't have what it takes to stop the run like the like the Ravens are going to enforce their like opponents to do. So I, I, I'm interested and maybe even more intrigued now more than ever. Hampton, this is the question that I, I might want to just pose to you, and I want to let you speak your piece. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to ask you. Do you feel like the Ravens, and, and I feel like we're overreacting in a way, but in, in another way, I really don't feel like it at all. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to say. Do you think that the Ravens are finally piecing this all together, what it looks like? to build a team that can not only take down a Patrick Mahomes and an Andy Reid, I want to put those in the same category, but also on the offensive side of the ball of this is going to be our DNA. And, again, we're, we're going to focus on the 90%. And, and, hey, if they want to keep dropping two two safeties back, we'll keep running the ball. And what, what do you think? you think that they're just now hitting their stride, or was this just a, a game they were eventually going to win because if you play somebody ten times, you're going to you're hopefully beat them? What do you think? I'm not going to overreact to one game because I think the law of averages show that eventually they were going to beat the Chiefs. And I don't think, you know, we were talking, you know, you talked about the Chiefs on and off switch. Their lack of ability to run the ball and lack of ability to stop the run is very concerning. I mean, the Browns ran all over them too the week prior. And the Ravens did this without three offensive linemen, I believe. Like they had guys banged up, and they still ran for over 200 yards on them, and the Chiefs couldn't stop them. And I think that part of that is, I mean, I think Lamar played really well. I thought that offensive line played really well, but also I think the Chiefs' defense is an issue. So I'm not going to overreact to one game and kind of like I said, you know, in our college football pod with Alabama and extrapolate that to the rest of the year that, you know, oh, they figured it out. Because, I mean, they've done they've done this to teams, like good teams before. They did it when Lamar won MVP. You know, it's all about when it gets playoff time and when teams build and are able to execute, a you know, a carefully crafted game plan to make Lamar beat you with his arm, that we will see whether or not they've arrived and are willing to take that next step. Uh, but, I, you know, I'll kind of wrap it up here because I know we've been – We've been talking about this a good bit, and I think we've hit a lot of angles. It kills me that I try to make a good take and point, and y'all just come back at me. Like, I just think Lamar's a trash player. All I've said is the man can't throw, and I'm really not disputing that now. I'm just saying, or not that he can't throw, but he can't throw consistently to beat 
elite teams. But I'm just saying, I instead of focusing on that 10% that he can't do, I'm just going to appreciate now his ability to run the ball and how beautiful it is when that offense is rolling and Greg Roman has a good rhythm to that play calling and uh, they're just mowing – uh, down the field with that rushing attack. I'm going to appreciate that instead of focusing on his uh, inability and his inefficiencies as a passer. And the final point I'll make, the Chiefs, to win another Super Bowl, are going to have to improve that running game. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have to pick it up because he hadn't been – I mean, he didn't play well in week one, which I granted I think he was questionable going into that week, and he definitely didn't play well against the Ravens. Uh, so I'm a little worried about that and worried that maybe they're getting a little bit like Aaron, the Green Bay Packers did with Aaron Rodgers after he won his first Super Bowl. Okay. That defense starts going down. They start not having a run game and everything falls more and more on the quarterback. You know, instead of asking Aaron Rodgers to be good, only, you know, be elite only five times a game, you're asking them about 10 to 20 times to be elite and make these impossible plays. And I just don't think that is sustainable. And I think it's something that Kansas City needs to fix for them to go where they want to go and accomplish, you know, the high expectations that they have, which is a championship this year. So that would be my final thoughts on this game. What I mean, might have been the game of the year in week two. Um, I mean, if there's going to be another game of the year candidate, they're going to have to do a lot to top this one. So uh, with that, I think we kind of hit that from um, every angle and every avenue. We'll kind of move on to um, discussing the 0-2 teams in the league. So I'm going to run down real quick all the 0-2 teams right now. So we've got the Minnesota Vikings. We've got the New York Giants. We've got the Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, the Atlanta Falcons, and the New York Jets. Out of those seven teams, which team do you think has the best chance to rebound and actually compete not only for their division but for a playoff spot? Chase, I'll start with you, man. This is what I'm thinking. And, fellas, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like I've got a soft spot for this team. So, I think that gives it away if you've been around here for a while. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I also think that I've got some pretty reasonable evidence to back this one up, though, fellas. I I don't really know. Like, th- There's some other teams on the table. But to say that the Vikings are 0-2 is really like it, – it, it almost feels like you need to add some explanation of like – but it's not really like they just lost twice. Let me take you back to week one. They go and play Cincinnati, lose in overtime. This past week, their kicker, how far was the, the, the kick to win the game? How far was it? I mean, it was within 40 37, yards. 37, 37 yards. Yeah. 37 yards. <clears throat> they missed it. They lose by one point. Now, fellas, I mean, they also didn't do enough to win. No, but fellas, that, that's that's a pretty dang good 0-2 team if they're taking two of the teams they lost to almost to the point where, I mean, you know, they're taking them to the very last minute. I got to go with the Minnesota Vikings. Do I think that uh, I'm not going to rustle anybody's feathers and uh, say that they're going to make the playoffs this year? But I will say, I think that, I, I think that Graham, I mean, 
maybe as, as you pick yours, maybe, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think about if they don't make the playoffs, if, if the Vikings start to, start to, I mean, Kirk Cousins, uh, I think contracts over the end of this year. Do they get, my question to you is, do they fire their coach? What do you think if, if they, this 0-2 Vikings, as good as they may be, I mean, you know, stat book doesn't lie. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got a good point there. I, you know, the Vikings week one, you know, they kind of came out and played okay. But the, the Bengals, I think, you know, back healthy, they were really just fired up to play. And in my opinion, I think the Vikings are probably a better you know, overall football team than the than the Bengals were. But the Bengals came to play and they, they fought, you know, tooth and nail the entire game and were able to edge them out in overtime. And, you know, whenever I was watching, you know, the week two game with the Vikings and uh, the Cardinals, for the majority of that game, the Vikings looked like the better football team. I mean, they they had some some plays they'd figured out how to slow down Kyler Murray, but then other plays there was wide open receivers downfield, and uh, that was kind of concerning. You know, Dalvin Cook he got hurt a few times in that game, all with different you know he gets banged up a lot. Um, yeah. and he he came back in to play the game, so I don't think anything's really serious, but. You know, last year, I, I want to go back to last year, and the Vikings started out the 2020 season. They lost the first three games, mm-hmm. and they lost five out of the first six games. And then what did they do? After their bye week, they figured it out. And so they started winning some football games, and then they won five out of the next six. So I think this Vikings team is going to be okay um, I, I like their coaching staff. I think that offense has enough weapons to sustain them. The defense has to be a little bit better, but you know it's it's tough to play the Cardinals this year. You know they got lots of uh, lots of good players, lots of uh, talent, and Kyler Murray, you know, is expected to take an, another step this year. But uh, Chase, I, I think a team that is zero two that deserves some credit is a team that has had a really brutal schedule. The first two weeks of the season, the Indianapolis Colts have played the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. And I think we can all can agree, those two teams are pretty good. You know, only one can win the NFC West, but the Rams made some good moves this offseason to get Matt Stafford and to really help that offense. And then Seattle, with Russell Wilson, they're going to be able to make plays and so the Colts, they've had a tough, they've had a tough run these first two weeks, playing two NFC West teams in a row. And week one, the Seahawks, you know, really always kind of come to play. They're always prepared. They always, you know, are able to scheme up a, a good thing in week one. But the Colts, I mean, they've got talent. I think that we can't overlook that. You know, they've got Carson Wentz, even though he can probably not walk today because of uh, two rolled ankles. Uh, you know, they got Jonathan Taylor, a, a pretty good running back, uh, a great offensive line, uh, you know, with uh, Quentin Nelson, probably the best offensive guard in the NFL to run behind. You know, they've got some weapons outside, you know, Michael Pittman, uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton, whenever he gets back healthy, is uh, at least a uh, a difference maker in the game. But this defense, I mean, they've got Darius Leonard, who's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. My best 0-2 team, I got to go with the Indianapolis Colts. I think they're going to turn it around. 
And uh, when you ever you play the Jags twice in one year and probably the Texans twice in one year, you know, I, I think that bodes well for the Colts to turn this around. Hampton, what 0-2 team are you impressed with so far? Well, I'll tell you this. I It's between those two teams, and I don't think that's much of a discussion. I mean, the Giants – the Jags, Lions, Falcons, and Jets are going to be terrible teams this year. The Giants may have a little bit of a sliver or nugget of hope with how they played against Washington, but I still don't buy them. I don't buy Daniel Jones to be consistent enough at quarterback. So it's between the Colts and the Vikings, and I'm going to have to go with the Vikings. I'm with you, Chase. I think their offense have got a lot of firepower. Say what you want about Kirk Cousins, but most of the time, he's a decent NFL quarterback. I mean, they've got Adam Thielen. They've got Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, like you all mentioned. Their defense, I think, has a lot of talent with Daniil Hunter, Everson uh, no, Everson Griffin. I can't remember if he's still on their team or not. I know they still have Anthony Barr. They've got Harrison Smith. Uh, so they've got, some, they've got talent on that team, and I think Mike Zimmer is going to get all that. Fix and they hung with one of the best offenses in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals. For the Colts, I don't trust Carson Wentz, man. I thought he would be get turned around. I thought Frank Reich would do his miracle work on him, and he just can't stay healthy. Bless his heart. He, uh, I mean, I've never heard of someone having two sprained ankles at the same time, and I think. You know, I like their offensive line. You know, you mentioned Nelson. I'll mention Ryan Kelly, the center, who's really good. I like their stable backs. I like the receivers. The defense is pretty solid. But let me read you their schedule, all right? This is their next three games. They've got at the Titans, who just came off a big win in Seattle, who may have found their groove on offense. Then they play at the Dolphins, which is going to be iffy because I don't know if two is going to play or not. But even the, even if he doesn't play – Jacoby Percet may can get that win depending on how he looks um, this next week. Then they get the Ravens away. So that's a brutal three-game stretch. And then their next three after that are the Texans, which they've been maybe one of the more surprising teams in the league this year with how they've competed. Then at 49ers, and then you're hosting the Titans. I mean, there's like one for sure win in their next – Six games. I mean that that's tough. So I I, I think it's got to be the Vikings. And um, I mean I'm not going to be shocked if the Colts turn around, but I think the Vikings have a better and more clear path forward. So I'm going to go with them. Uh, any more thoughts on that before we kind of go into who we who we're buying as a legit two and O team? Do we have any more thoughts on the O and two teams, or let's just roll right into two and O? Hampton, I, I would just I would just echo what you said, man. It really does seem like it's between those two teams. But at the same by the same token, I mean, I, I think that one of the biggest I, like I think you you even I, I echo everything you said. I think that the Texans have been one of the biggest surprises in the league, but I think a team that I think everyone was looking forward to getting the train back on the tracks is the Giants. And fellas, I don't know if I, I still don't know if I like the direction they're headed. I think that they play they've been yeah. playing better. But I, I just don't know, man. I really wonder. This is me as a Baylor fan, and we can move on to our best two and O teams. But this is th- here's my question. I really wonder if at this moment, 
if if the Giants are sitting there looking at uh, their boy, jo- what is his name, uh, Joe Judge, and wondering, man, did we make a mistake? Should we have gone with Matt Rule? Because I feel like, and tell me if this is a if this is a stretch, Hampton. What what do you think? I'll just throw it to you, Graham. You can maybe just chime in. What do you think? Um, do you feel like they got the hire wrong in the sense of should should the Giants have hired Matt Rule? Do you feel like that maybe the situation would look different right now? What do you think, Hampton? I, I'll be real quick. I don't think that whoever they hire is going to be successful with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. Mm, that's a good I think, point. I think he's too inconsistent, and I think he has immense talent. I mean, the dude can run like Grease Lightning, which is shocking. I mean, the dude hit like 23 miles an hour last year, something crazy like that, uh, and I think – He's talented, and he showed glimpses of that against Washington. But overall, he turns the ball over too much and makes bad decisions. Part of that's due to their O-line. Part of that's due to him. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have weapons to throw to. He's got one of the best running backs in the league by by him. And I just think um, I like Joe Judge. I like – I thought they were a pretty frisky team last year considering how untalented they were. And I think Carolina is an overall more talented team. And I think Matt Rule's a really good coach, but I think he's benefited from that too. So that would be my two cents on that. Graham, really quickly, what you got on that? Yeah, I, I think that you know during the game, uh, was it Thursday night? Uh, they were talking about how Dave Gettleman for the Giants really wanted to you know build through the trenches, and he really wanted to you know he, he knew that's where the Giants would you know would have to you know spend you know time, money, and effort in order to be better. And what did they do the first round? They took a wide receiver for a quarterback that doesn't really throw the ball well downfield in Kadarius Tony. So, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman, you know, kind of eh on the, you know, okay, well, you're saying one thing, but really doing another. And, uh, you know, so that kind of puts Joe Judge in a tough situation, and especially when, you know, they, they make, you know, Jason Garrett pretty much the assistant head coach because – uh, they really liked him, but knew that uh, they kind of knew what they were going to get from him. So we'll take the chance on Joe Judge. Uh, with Matt Rule, I, I think a great player, you know, great in player development. Um, and, and the Panthers have a whole lot better, ta- you know, more talent uh, wise, you know, on offense and defense than this Giants team, with the exception of maybe like Leonard Williams that, you know, on the defensive line for the Giants. But um, I, I think that Matt Rule probably. Uh, would have rather been been with the Panthers, you know, kind of a tough little play, you know pace, but uh, place to compete with the Buccaneers down there. But uh, I, I think it all work will work out for him in the end, and uh, you know, hope for the best for these two teams. Yeah, great point, great point. And before we get into predicting Week Three games, how about we talk about the four two and O teams that we have right now, and which one we're actually buying to be a legit contender and may make some noise as we go in, you know, through the year, we've got the Denver Broncos. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders. So two teams from the same division. We've got the Carolina Panthers and we have the San Francisco 49ers. I think those are the only two and O teams. Did you I say, believe you say the bucks and the Rams? Oh, the, the bucks and the Rams. Yeah. So okay, let me let me phrase this another way. Out of those three, 
So take out the 49ers. Out of the Las Vegas Raiders, out of the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers, which which team are you buying as a legit contender? And it's not um, – and not just a team that's a product of an easy first two weeks. I, I, I saw a graphic on Twitter that was just those teams and was kind of asking that question. Mm-hmm. That's why I said that. They're oh. the only two and O team, so I forgot about the Rams I mean, and the Bucks. But we, I mean, we all think they're legit yeah. um, title contenders. But out of those three, Graham, really quickly, uh, who do you think is for real? Yeah, I've got to go with the resume on this one. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders have played, you know, two really tough games at home against the the Ravens, and they won that game in overtime. But that win looks a whole lot better now, knowing that the Ravens. Uh, beat the Chiefs in the end. And then uh, this past week, they went to Pittsburgh and took care of the Steelers at home, which is also a tough place to play. So I'm going with the with the Raiders, with Max Crosby, a little bit of pass rush on that defense. Derek Carr, maybe not looking, not going to say he's looking like an MVP candidate, but is uh, looking consistent on that offense. And uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders because they've played a tough schedule and they've proven that they can win the tough games. Chase, best 2-0 team. Who do you think? Fellas, I, I'm actually going to stay within the division. Grandma, I respect that a lot. I think the Raiders, I mean, you know, fellas, that was the team I thought that was going to take a step backwards. And, man, have I, I did been too. Wrong. I did too. So, Absolutely. I don't know how much credibility I have when I say this, but, Graham, well, good pick. Um, but I'm going to say the Broncos. And a uh, shout-out to Woshwav. But fellas, yes. I just I think that they finally got a quarterback who isn't out there losing them games. Like I think that even if you put Jared Goff on this Broncos team, they wouldn't be very good. But I think Teddy Bridgewater does enough to get the job done. I think he does enough to not lose them the game. And fellas, I think that I hear time and time again that they just got a really good team, a really good defense. And I think they might just be sitting here primed and ready to go just because they have a quarterback who's not gonna lose them the game going to put him in a position where they can win it. He's got experience. Man, and, and wouldn't it be a comeback story to hear that Teddy Bridgewater like went one more place, burn him up out of the ashes again? I mean, it would just be it'd be a really cool story to keep up with. I think that's why I'm so drawn to what the Broncos are doing and how good of a team they they are they are overall. What do you think, Hampton? I'm with Graham, and I think it's between those two teams. And the reason I'm not 100% sold on Carolina, so Carolina struggled kind of in week one against the Jets, who looked absolutely abysmal against New England. Uh, Zach Wilson still throwing it to the other team. Uh, he just threw his 70th and 71st interception to the pass. I mean, they look terrible, and the Panthers barely escaped them. Then they play – the Saints, and I think that was a solid win, but that was kind of predictable that the Saints, after a big win against the Packers, kind of came back down to earth. They had some injuries on defense with Lattimore being out, a couple other corners. So I think that was kind of not not taking anything away from the Panthers, but I don't think it's as impressive as what the other two teams have done. And you know, I know that's going to hurt our boy Kyle, who thinks Sam Darnold's going to be a top ten quarterback by the end of the year, and I can't wait to have that Jacks Mill. Still looking forward to it. Got my ranch and honey mustard already ready, but <laughs> I think the Broncos 
have looked really impressive. I think, like you said, Teddy Bridgewater has done a good job of being a great game manager, which is not a bad term. He hadn't, he hadn't lost him a game. He's facilitating the ball to their guys like Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, K.J. Hamler. And when Jerry Judy comes back, that offense is going to be really uh, tough to deal with within that division. I think their defense is really solid. But Las Vegas has a more impressive resume. They beat, the Ra- they beat the Ravens in a really tough and crazy football game. And they beat the Steelers, who Ben Roethlisberger looks kind of washed, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. 100%. Um, and washed it, three years ago, man. Yeah, it pains 100%. me to say. Like, it, it's like watching Drew Brees last year. Yeah. It's not maybe to that level, but it's tough. And um, But they still went on the road in Heinz Field against a tough defense. And Josh Jacobs didn't play. And Derek Carr put the team on his back. And, like, he looks like twin MVP Derek Carr from, like, 2016-17. And Derek Carr played really well last year, too. I don't want to get that twisted. But, I mean, he's throwing the ball deep. I mean, Henry Ruggs has really kind of emerged in that offense, which is another added threat. And you have his vertical threat to go along with Darren Waller, who is a top three tight end in the league. You got Hunter Renfro in the slot. You've got um what's his name? Brian, Brian Edwards. Edwards. Yeah. Yeah, who we real I mean, Chase and I raved about him coming out of college. So they got weapons galore on offense. They've done a good job of retooling that offensive line after we all said, What the heck are they doing getting rid of everybody? Their offensive line's been really good to this point. They're I mean, they're gonna get Josh J- Jacobs back in a week or two. And defensively, this is the key. Defensively, they are much improved. Yannick Ngakwe has been really good from them, that um, offseason addition from the Jaguars. Max Crosby has taken another step in his development. He's always been a good high-motor player, but I think he, um, I think he's near the top in the league in quarterback hurries and quarterback pressures thus far. And Jonathan Abrams played pretty well, uh, and they look just a lot more fundamentally sound on defense than they did last year where they looked – lost half the time, and I think they're playing with a lot more effort, a lot more intensity, and, I mean, you know, with Miami, they're playing uh, Miami this week in uh, in Las Vegas. If they come out with a win there, they're 3-0, and and, you know, they beat the Chiefs last year. I'm just saying um, I think that they're doing a good job, but I think Carl Nassib <laughs> deserves credit too for um, – you know, forcing that fumble uh, in the Ravens game and being, you know, a solid rotational player for them. Had to give a shout-out to him and uh, a couple other defensive players. And, you know, John Gruden, knock on wood if you're with me, man. I'm I'm with him and I'm with this team. And uh, with that, I think we'll move on unless y'all have any more thoughts. <laughs> unless y'all have any more thoughts on the Raiders um, or, the Bron- <laughs> or the Broncos. <laughs> Yeah, Hampton. I, yeah, I, I like the the Raiders, but uh, I can like the Broncos too. But to me, the you know the first two weeks of the season playing the Jaguars and the Giants, um, you know exactly. I, I, I you know I, we haven't seen much yet, so uh, I, I can be convinced of the Broncos. But right now, you got to go with resume, and uh, the team that wins the big games usually gets the nod, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. Chase, you got any more? Are we ready to? kind of move into um we'll we'll talk like if we can talk fantasy for like a minute 
right, really quickly, um, a couple boomer bus players. Um, but before we move on, do you got anything else? Or are we ready to no, jump I mean, into fantasy? Right we can move okay. on. Okay. All right. Well, this is um, what we'll do. We'll go boomer bus players. So my boom player is Cordero Patterson. I think he has been okay. really impressive the first two weeks for the Atlanta Falcons. He's been one of the lone bright spots on their team and uh, as a rusher and as a receiver. So if you can pick him up on waivers, um, like my boy Click did, and I'm still ticked at him because I tried to get him. Uh, if you can pick him up, I think he's a good player for you. So he would be my pick, Chase, really quickly. Who would be your uh, your boom player, your sneaky steal for this upcoming week? I got to go with Mike Williams. Good pick. Or, Good pick. Chargers. Fellas, this is a guy who I had, I think, in fantasy two years ago. And the guy didn't do jack squat, but he was like he was he was to the point that you couldn't really drop him. Like he was just in that weird level. This guy's taking, taking it to the next level. And I don't know wh- how they clicked this offseason, but, man, if you guys can get your hands on Mike Williams, I really feel like this might be – like Keenan Allen might get a reduced share – targets especially in the red zone so i'm going with mike williams Grant, what about you i'm going with a, a guy that we expect a lot out of but haven't gotten much out of so far i'm going with saquon barkley the first two weeks he's <laughs> averaged 6.3 points which is really bad for a uh, first round running back in fantasy um, but this week they play the atlanta falcons really bad against the run so uh i, I think that you know maybe not his workload will increase but uh, I think he'll have some success on the ground and uh, maybe put one in the in the end zone for the Giants. So I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley, which isn't a dig-in-the-hole kind of guy, but somebody that you've been disappointed in but maybe can uh, regain a little bit of your trust. Yeah, I think I think that's good. And, uh, you know, I'm 2-0 in fantasy, so I'm happy about that. Graham, you're 1-1, right? I am 1-1. I, am I will say this. There's a, an advertisement uh, by Corona where Tony Romo is talking to a guy about uh, his the fantasy hotline? team. The Corona hotline. And the guy says, I'm up by 20, and that my opponent only has his kicker left to play. Should I go ahead and celebrate? Well, the team I played this week, shout out to Logan. Uh, he had Graham Gano, and not he beat me by more than 22 points, but how does a kicker outscore – like? He was like the he was wasn't the high scoring player on Logan's team because he had Tyler Lockett as well. But how does a kicker score twenty two points? Like how does that happen? Like, give me a break. I don't know, Chase. What are you? And then we'll like how are you doing in fantasy? And then we'll move into um, week three picks. But just how am I doing? Yeah, how you doing, man? We're one and one, um, man. I did not feel good about the lineup going into this week, and that wasn't just being a humble. Or being pessimistic, I just I I am struggling to find a. Uh, my, I have too many like I'm playing uh, like flex level wide receivers at my wide receiver two and flex, and OBJ's not healthy. AB just got COVID this week, so ouch. Um, yeah, man. I mean, we're we're doing okay. I feel like I'm I've got a solid team. Like I don't feel like I'm ever going to hit sixty type week. But I, I just I don't think that I've got a team that's built to hang 160 like Andy does. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, man, I enjoy playing. It's, I, I gotta get I gotta make some move, man. But it, it's really hard when you've only got two weeks worth of stats. Yeah, very true, man. Well, Chase, let me give you a little piece of hope. In, in the past few years, it always seems that my team score the lowest or the highest, and every you know every year. And so, uh, not like that I'm either the worst or the best, 
But literally, my team will have 50 points one week, and then the next week they'll score 180 points. So uh, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. You just got to hope that the week that you go off, that the other team doesn't go off more. Fair enough. That's a piece that of good piece like of a booger tank, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, shout out to Suave. Last year, I had the lowest scoring week, and then next week, Suave uh, went lower. So he thanks. Shout, shout yeah, out Suave for that. Suave's all about encouragement, man, and all about morale boosting. So he did that just for you. Well, guys, let's get into week three. Uh, there are a lot of good games this week. So we'll start out with the game tomorrow night, Thursday night. Panthers versus the Texans. Can we all agree the Panthers are winning this game? I get behind that. Matt Rule yeah. and the boys. Matt Rule and the boys. Okay. Graham, you with that? Yeah, I'm with that. Tyrod Taylor out. The Texans don't really stand much of a chance. Okay, totally agree. So we all are picking the Panthers to go on the road and win that game. So now we're going to go to the Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs. This is an interesting matchup. It's a division, you know, division uh, rival. And I mean, dare I say, the Chargers have played, whether it be with Justin Herbert or whether it be with. Phillip Rivers is quarterback. They've always played Kansas City tough. I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to start. I think the Chargers are going to win this game. I think uh, their ability to rush the passer and get after Patrick Mahomes will be the difference. And I think they're going to come out with a victory in this one. Graham, what do you think? Hampton, I couldn't disagree with you more. I'm going, I'm going with the Chiefs uh, at home looking to rebound. I'm concerned about the Chargers at this point because – you know, they've played the, the Cowboys and uh, the Washington football team, and you know, they've put 17 points up and 20 points up, and I think you got to score more than that to beat Patrick Mahomes. So uh, give me the Chiefs uh, at home. You know, I, I think there's a better chance of a shootout than a defensive uh, struggle for sure. Chase? Oh, absolutely. Who do you yeah. think? Chargers, I- Chiefs. I think I think the Chiefs get back on track. I, I I don't see them going like I don't see them losing games back to back. For some reason, I just don't see that. I do think that the Chargers are headed in the right direction. I feel like they're even a better team than they were last year. But man, they're just starting off with a pretty tough schedule. So give me give me the Chiefs in this game. Well, I, all I'll say is this. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be shot at the Chiefs win, but. Talking about their offensive production for the Chargers, I mean, I've been hearing about how great Justin Herbert is. Justin Herbert threw two picks last week that cost him the game against the Cowboys, and I hadn't heard a peep from the national media about that. But I digress. So we'll go to the next game. And the next game that we got – sorry, I had to get that off my chest. It's been bugging me all week – is I think the game of the week. And I don't know why this is not a primetime game. Uh, but the Buccaneers are traveling to Los Angeles to play the Matthew Stafford-led Rams. Chase, do you think Tom Brady goes into town, shows him who's boss, or do you think Stafford, in his newfound freedom, makes a statement and holds off the defending champs? So, fellas, this this is this is what I want to say about this game, real quick. Is I feel like, and I don't know if y'all feel this way. But man, like I feel a little bit of Rams versus uh, like Chiefs. You remember that one year that they played on Monday Night Football? Right. It was yes. insane. 
Now, I don't I don't know if we'll have the scoring just because it's so back and forth. I think this is going to be a whole lot more of a like a strategic. I mean, you got two veteran quarterbacks, not two young quarterbacks. You got two veteran quarterbacks, two good defenses. This is going to be really interesting, guys. I, I'm going to go with the Rams just because they're my team. But man, I'm I. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to bet on this game. I'm going to sit back, watch, and enjoy how incredible of a football game this is going to be. And I will say, fellas, I'm willing to say that because I feel like in the NFL, and I and I'm going to knock on wood. In the knock NFL, on wood, you're with me. It it seems like whenever you say this is going to be a good football game. And Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and, and you know, like uh, Bruce is in it, dude. I mean, like, it's going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. Even, even if there's, like, this really fun defensive side of it, dude, I am stoked for this game. I got the Rams pulling it out at home, though. Graham, what do you think? Jay, I agree with you. You, you said that, you know, A.B. was out with COVID. That's just one less person that uh, the Rams will have to cover uh, on defense because Jalen Ramsey can only cover one guy at a time. Um, but the Rams have Raheem Morris as their defense coordinator, was the defense coordinator last year with the Falcons, and then interim head coach uh, after they fired Dan Quinn. Had some experience, played the Buccaneers close at least once last year. Um, you know, whatever the Bucks came to Atlanta. So I, I think with the Bucks on the road, it's going to be a tough game, but I'm going to go with, uh, you know, the, the experience that Raheem Morris has, and at least trying to scheme up a, uh, a game plan against the defense uh, against the Buccaneers, and uh, this year actually has a good defense to scheme up with. So give me the Rams at home, but this should be a really, really fun and exciting game. And uh, I know that all NF- NFL fans will be looking forward to it. Hampton, are you sticking with the Rams like the Haney boys? Are you going with the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Buccaneers? Well, I was hoping you would go with the Bucks to make it a little more interesting, but I'm going with the Rams. Let's go, baby. I think We're Rams podcast now. Rams podcast official. Shout out to my guy Preston if you're listening. Uh, but no, I think last year, reflecting back, the Rams gave the Bucks a lot of trouble last year, and they were very fortunate that they didn't match up with them in the playoffs because their defensive line makes life absolute chaos for Tom Brady. And I think, you know, Aaron Donald in the, in the middle and um, Sean Robinson has played really well for him. I think they're going to pose some challenges for that Bucks offense. And I think with Antonio Brown come, being out, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are going to be uh, having to carry the load, which I think they can. But Jalen Ramsey is going to have to be covering. He's going to be covering one of them, and he'll lock one of them down. I truly believe that he's that type of corner, that caliber of player. And on offense, Stafford has been really impressive so far this year. They've really emphasized the deep ball. Cooper Cup's off to his best start, and I think that trend is going to keep rolling this week. Give me the Rams to win by seven to ten points. I think wow. they're gonna make they're gonna make a statement uh, and really take control of their division at three and zero. Next, we have the Green Bay Packers, who came off uh, a rebound win against the Lions. Granted, it was the Lions who uh, I will have to say Dan Campbell has looks like he's instilled a little bit of a culture with that team. They play hard. They're not very talented. 
but they they play hard and they gave Green Bay a run for a little bit. But they're traveling to go play the 49ers in Santa Clara, Cal- Santa Clara, California. Graham, really quickly, who do you got in this one? Yeah, this this is a tough one to pick, but I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers with the bounce back. You know, I think they played better last week. You know, uh, start out really rough week one, but I, you know, I like the 49ers, but I think that Aaron Rodgers has uh, kind of put it together. So uh, I'm going to go with the Packers in a close one. The you know 49ers quarterback battle up in air, uh, but there's one quarterback battle that's not, and that's Aaron Rodgers carrying the Green Bay Packers to a victory. Chase. Packers, 49ers in Santa Clara. Who you got? Fellas, I think I think you know what I'm doing. I think we'll go with the 49ers on this one. I I'm I'm a little I, I'm still I don't think that the that the Packers playing the Lions close in the first half and taking it away in the second half, but I don't know if one half of football Changes what they did when they went to New, like when they went and played New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I, I say this as an Aaron Rodgers fan, and honestly, somewhat as a Green Bay fan. But I think Aaron Rodgers has told you what you need. To, there's going to be more ups and downs of this season, mm-hmm. and I just don't think that even at their best, they could replicate what they did last year. And I think this is just part of the growing pains, man. I think this is just part of having a, a, a culture that's. It's not well connected. There's there's tension. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers makes some throws this game that makes you say, "Oh my gosh, this guy's amazing!" Absolutely. But I think that they're going to be able to maybe come up with a little bit better defensive scheme rather than just like, I mean, I, I don't mind Dan Campbell's approach, but it was like they're pretty much just daring them to run the ball, and it's like it's not like Aaron Jones can't run the ball. So um, that's why he had four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. I, I think it was almost kind of like even if we lose, we just don't want to lose Aaron Rodgers. Well, all right, sounds good. So, anyways, I think I'm going to take the 49ers in this one. Just in the, just in the like, I think that this might be the Green Bay starting off with a, you lose one bad, well you win one, then you lose one that's close, then you win one, and then you, you, you know, what I'm saying, then you make win two. So that, that's kind of how I think their season might look to start off with Hampton. I know it's kind of a little bit more than you asked for, that, uh, that you guys asked for. But what do, what do you think, man? What do you think about this game when you think about the Packers going down to Santa? Santa Clara is that what you said, Graham? In California, playing the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I I have to agree with you. Uh oh, I have to agree with you. And I I love Aaron Rodgers, and I he played a brilliant game on Monday night. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think Green Bay is that great of a football team right now. Mm-hmm. Their defense look. I mean, they gave up 21 points in the first half or 17 points to a Jared Goff-led Lions team. Couldn't stop the run. Didn't generate much much pass rush with uh, Zadarius Smith being out, I think. he's I believe he's on the IR. So that's an issue. And then on offense, he threw the ball well to Devontae Adams. He threw the ball well to Randall Cobb. They ran the ball with Aaron Jones pretty effectively. But in this singular matchup, the Packers don't match up well with the 49ers, especially with David Bakhtiari being out. Nick Bosa, D. Ford, and Arik Armstead, I believe, will have a field day and get after Aaron Rodgers like they have in the previous two matchups. And in the previous two matchups, I don't think it's been 
really close between the two teams. One was regular season in 2019, and then one was in the playoffs in 2019. And Green Bay couldn't stop the run on them, and they couldn't protect Aaron Rodgers. And I think that same those same issues will present themselves on Sunday, and San Francisco is going to come out with the victory. I don't buy – I don't know how good they are, to be honest with you. I don't, Jimmy G has not played well to this point. Their quarterback situation is a little bit of a mess. As you said, they've already got injury issues with their running back core. Brandon Ayuk is not performing up to expectations, not only to fantasy owners, but to Kyle Shanahan. And I believe they're not a great team, but I think they're a good matchup against the Packers, so I'm going to go with them for that one. That shocked you, didn't it? You thought I was going to go with Aaron Rodgers and the boys, didn't you? And, and I wouldn't blame you, Graham, and I, I see where you're coming from on this because, I mean, it, it's really hard to sit here and pick against the Packers. But, Hampton, I think that I'm with you on – I'm picking against their defense, not really even their offense, picking against their defense. But I didn't mm-hmm. know that is not going to be playing. That He's not playing for the first six weeks of the year. He's on oh, IR. I knew, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going with the Packers. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers for this reason and this reason alone. The 49ers traded up to get – Trey Lance, who they play a little bit. Aaron Rodgers wants to show the 49ers, you see what you missed out on? Uh, uh, okay. Hey, you Hampton, know, I don't – Hampton, you could say that, but let's let Sunday talk. Let's let the game and, talk. And that and that's true. But also, you had that motivation, but also they passed on him in 2005 when, they, when he got drafted too because he always wanted to be a 49er then – and they passed on him then, so he's always had that motivation, and it ain't helped him a doggone bit. So, well, that's kind of a diss towards Alex Smith, and he uh, he broke his leg for you, Hampton. So uh, you you don't need to disrespect him that way. I'm not disrespecting <laughs> Alex Smith. That's quite a stretch, Graham. I'm just gracious. Kidding. We love you, Alex Smith, friend of the pod. No. Uh, <laughs> let's pick the final game of the weekend. I and probably. One of the better Monday night football matchups in the first through, you know, first week we had Raiders Ravens, which I think was a good matchup going in, but it turned out to be a really good game. Last week was pretty lackluster. This week we have a division matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Chase, I'm going to kick it to you first, man. Do you think Dak Prescott and the Cowboys keep that momentum going after a victory against the Chargers? Or do you think Jalen Hurts and his team bounce back after going down at the hands of the 49ers? Guys, I think I told you this last week. I, I kind of like this Cowboys team that going into this year. I'm I with you. Yeah, I do too. I don't, really, I, I don't, I don't love McCarthy. I, I don't hate him. I'm just saying I, 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 don't, I don't hate him. I just don't know if I love him. But I think that he – there's so many characters on that team that have already formed. I'm almost glad they went and got somebody who doesn't have to be – the guy, the coach. He's a little bit more of like let his coordinators coach, and and you know I'll help up. You know, so I'll help the the coordinators come up with a game plan. So, man, I love that they're letting Dak play ball. I'm I, look as a Zeke fantasy owner, and if you're out there, I feel for you. But dude, you can't hate about how they're using Pollard. Like, like Zeke is obviously the better pass blocker. Pollard obviously has a little bit more jets, a little bit maybe a little more jet fuel. Juice, really, yeah, that, that juice of getting up the field quickly, and and fellas, I think that they're complementing those backs really well. If you just look at it like in a football perspective, so mm-hmm. I really like what they're doing on offense. Uh, 
Um, so man, I, I think that the Eagles, this, this is going to be that, that week where it's like, Oh man. So now, now we're kind of seeing what, what we have, but this is always going to be a fun game. Always going to be a fun game. And it's always going to be like, man, you just play the Eagles. You also like you play their fan base, no matter whether you play them at home or away. It's just, it's just, it's mental. It's a hard place to play. Even when, again, even if they're not playing in Philadelphia, it just, it's just, it's a hard, hard team to play. So Graham, what do you think? Who do you got in this game and then the divisional matchup? I'm going with the boys. I got to go with the Cowboys here. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to quarterback play. I think that's going to be the difference in the game. The Eagles better than they were last year, but kind of I was kind of unimpressed with them this past week against the 49ers. They were able to, you know, for the most part, slow you know Jalen Hurts' passing game down. You know, if you take away the two throws to Quez Watkins, mm-hmm. you know, that takes away pretty much completely all of uh, the passing yardage that Jalen Hurts had. He was still effective on the ground, but uh, I, I think that when it comes down to make that big throw, I've got to trust Dak Prescott and uh, the weapons that the Cowboys have. And uh, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think that uh, they'll come to play and take care of business. Hampton, who you got? I'm with y'all. I would love to create intrigue and create a little discussion. But, Chase, I'm with you. I like this Cowboys team. I thought what they did last week was really impressive going and beating a pretty good Chargers team. And Dak didn't have his best game. I don't. Th- I think he would admit that too. But they ran the ball way more effectively than they did against the Buccaneers, which granted they weren't going up against as good of a front as the Buccaneers front. But you talked about Tony Pollard. I'm a Tony Pollard stand. That dude is a ball player, and I'm sorry. I know he's your guy, and he's on your fantasy team. But if I'm the Cowboys, I give him – 50-50 touches or maybe even a little more touches than I'm giving Zeke just with his ability uh, to not only hit a hole really quickly, that his first step is impressive, but he runs with a good amount of physicality. He can catch the ball at the backfield, and they can use him in very creative and innovative ways. Big fan of him. And I thought their defense actually played pretty well on Saturday with Trayvon Diggs having another good game. Uh, J. Ron Kearse, or Kearse, I thought he played uh, pretty well in that secondary. And then the guy who, I mean, I still maintain that they should have gotten another corner. But Micah Parsons, guys, they put him at defense end, and he had – I thought he started out rough and kind of looked, you know, lost out there. But by the end – he was consistently getting pressure on Justin Herbert, and it wasn't like he had a plethora of moves either. It was just speed rush and his ability to bend and use his hands. I, he's really impressive player. He apparently PFF is not the end all be all, but he had a ninety one point one pass rush grade, which I believe was the highest in the league, and he hadn't done that since high school. Just they nailed that pick, and I know it's early, and I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't want to forecast the rest of the year on him, but he's been uh, everything that they could have hoped for, and I think they're going to make a statement against the Eagles, who I think, like I tried to tell everyone, press of week one win, but it was the Falcons, and the Falcons have, been, have proven to not be a very good team. I think they're bottom three to five team in the NFL. So Cowboys, I th- they're going to win this one and take – 
uh, firm control of that division because I think Washington, while their defense, their front seven's really good, I don't – their secondary, I don't, I'm don't. i not not buying into it, and Cowboys just have too much firepower on that offense. Yeah, I, I agree. Hampton, you know I like Micah Parsons, so uh, anytime that you uh, mention that name, I get excited. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the boys. Got to go with America's team. Of course. Chase, but any it, more thoughts? I, I would just say that, I mean, it, it's it's always easy to overhype the Cowboys, but, fellas, I think if you were to sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to give them a chance this year, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm like, what does it feel like to be a Cowboys fan since they're always on TV? I'm not going to lie, I've kind of enjoyed it, man. It's fun to be a little bit a part of the storyline. So if you're a listener and maybe you're looking for a fun way to watch football, this team's always fun because they're always on TV. They're always covering what's going right and what's going wrong with the Cowboys. So maybe just take this season to see what it's like, see if you enjoy it, see what it's like when the Cowboys lose and how they should pretty much force Jerry Jones to sell the team. I mean, it it, it gets it's crazy. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> but, man, it's, it's enjoyable. It feels like you really are – like. It's feeling like the kind of the, I guess the, the followership of how much we care for Alabama football, but like the the TV like TV people actually covered all the time, which is exciting. So, mm-hmm. hey, uh, Ch- Chase, I will say, you know, the Cowboys are on Hard Knocks this year. If you have HBO Max, uh, boring, boring. I've actually enjoyed it. I thought it's been uh, pretty exciting. Have so, you ever uh, watched Hard Knocks before? I have. I watched all the Raider season. See, the Raiders season was way more intriguing to me. Mike McCarthy just made – I mean, he has the personality of a wall without even any paint on it. I mean, it's just <laughs> – he's not intriguing. He's not charismatic. I mean, that Mojo Monday crap, I I did not I did not enjoy it. I watched one episode and turned it off. But I'm glad mm-hmm. that you were finding pleasure in that, Mr. Graham. I, I, yes, I am. Uh, not saying that I, like – I'm head over heels for it, but it's just kind of, it's like last chance you or second chance you or whatever, just like the NFL version. Like, I just feel like we're, we're really just getting down to, I, we're just here to take care of business. Like it's Mike McCarthy's not about showing you and being somebody that he's not. He's about, all right, at the end of the day, we got to win the foot. We got to win football games. We got to make it to the Super Bowl. Like that's what he's there Mm -hmm. for. So, you know, maybe it's not impressive to Hampton Sipper, but uh, from a uh, winner's perspective and Graham Haney and how he likes that. Uh, I, I don't mind. If you enjoy that, go watch Title Town High following <laughs> the Valdosta Wildcats and Rush Probst. If you want good entertainment, that'll provide it for you. And it's yeah. much better than it. It was way more intriguing and entertaining than that episode of Hard Knocks where Dak was being awkward, Zeke was being weird. Ah, I, I, I didn't buy it. But I'm Graham. I'm glad that you that you loved it, and I'm sure you're looking forward to the Colts being featured. For the first time uh, in their first, I think, in-season hard knocks. So that's going to yeah. be that's going to be fun. As as long as they roll Carson Wentz in on a wheelchair, I'll be cool with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be like Paul. It's going to be like Paul Pierce when he had to use the bathroom and they <laughs> yeah. rolled him out of the wheelchair. <laughs> oh man, well, good stuff, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jason Graham. Great talking little NFL Week Two action, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in the show each and every week. We've gotten great feedback on all our pods this week. The Alabama podcast uh, with Jamie Barnes and LG. It's been a real hit, and people really enjoyed it. The college football one that uh, Graham and I did yesterday, so, riding solo, 
uh, gotten good feedback on it, and we hope you enjoyed this one as well. If you aren't following us on social media, what are you doing? Go follow us on social media uh, to keep up to date with showtimes and polls that we'll be posting there each and every day. And be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us on your, you know, your drive into work, your drive home, working out, watching TV, eating dinner, basically anything and everything. Our podcast is good to listen to while doing that. And uh, we will be back next week talking more NFL, more college football. And until then, the Pigskin and Cafe is going to be closed for now. But what you can do is chew on that.